welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, welcome back to the podcast and for another guest interview today and another repeat guest. So initially this guest was on in July, 2020. Now she's back on again in 2023 and her name is Beth O'Hara and we're talking all about histamine and mast cell problems again and some of the root causes. So I'll just give you a bio and then I'll discuss what we're gonna be getting into in the episode. But Beth O'Hara, if you're not already aware, She is a functional naturopath specializing in complex chronic immune conditions related to mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance. She is the founder and owner of Mast Cell 360, a functional naturopathic practice designed to look at all factors surrounding health issues, genetic, epigenetic, biochemical, physiological, environmental, and emotional. She designed Mast Cell 360 to be the kind of practice she wished had existed when she was severely ill with mast cell activation syndrome, histamine intolerance, neural inflammation, Lyme, mold, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue. Her mission today is to be a guiding light for others with these conditions and their healing journeys. Through her mast cell 360 root cause process, she helps to discover root cause factors affecting each of her clients' health issues building personalized and effective roadmaps for healing. And she also has a few courses and masterclasses now. She holds a doctorate in functional naturopathy, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, a bachelor's degree in physiological psychology, and a certified in functional genomic analysis, and is a research advisor for the Nutrigenetic Research Institute. That is a lot of qualifications and a lot of knowledge. She presented at the Functional Medicine Conference on Mast Cell Activation Syndrome and Histamine Intolerance, as well as the use of genetics and biochemistry in addressing chronic health conditions. So the last episode that we did was number 78, and it was released in July 2020, but I'm pretty sure I recorded it many, many months before when I was first learning about mold exposure for the first time. And even if you watch the video replay of that on YouTube, which I'll link to in the show notes, I look completely different. So that just shows since then I have managed to heal. And it was very eye-opening information for me and her stuff really helped to put me on the right path in terms of healing. So I knew I had histamine problems for a while before that, but I was just starting to learn the connection with mast cell activation syndrome, which I have. I've never been formally diagnosed, but it's obvious based on my symptoms and my history and also the connection with mold and how that can be a huge driver of both of those conditions. So in that episode, we discussed a few things. Um, We discussed some of the root causes, 
and how bacterial overgrowth in the gut, how nutrient deficiencies, food sensitivities, genetics and hormone imbalances with estrogen dominance can contribute. We did an overview, so I would definitely recommend listening to that one first because it covers what is histamine, what it does, signs and symptoms that you might have an issue, histamine intolerance versus mast cell activation and mastocytosis, another rarer condition, and how to test for these different things. Um, And then in this episode, we've kind of continued on the conversation and we talk about some new things since the last episode and the connection between long COVID and mast cell activation. So a condition that we didn't even know existed back in early 2020, how mold can actually colonize internally and keep you sick even after you've moved homes and remediated until you've worked on that physical component, which I can totally relate to then you're still going to be symptomatic. Why calming the nervous system needs to be the first step when healing from chronic illness and how other root causes like head injuries and skeletal imbalances in the neck and jaw can drive histamine problems, which is something that over the past year I've been really looking into for myself with dental stuff. I've had a history of braces. I've had them twice. I've had five teeth removed and I have imbalances in my neck from a chiropractor um, feedback. So I can also really benefit from that information that she shared. Um, And since the first episode, um, Beth has been working really hard to try and reach more people because at one point her waiting list was over a year. So in the meantime, she's created some courses and webinars. The um, three different options at the moment are the Precision Mold Masterclass. This is going deeper if you are affected by mold. Um, one on supplements for mast cell activation syndromes, the top eight supplements, because you have to be really careful with that condition um, being more sensitive. You have to be mindful of the products that you're using. Certain herbs aren't a good fit and you can't just take like major detoxy products because it's going to make you feel worse. And then the last one is the mast cell activation nervous system reboot, which I was granted access to and I found it to be really great. I have learned some of this information before being a practitioner. And so it wasn't totally brand new, but some of the techniques that she showed were new and I found them really helpful. I've personally done other programs like DNRS before, Primal Trust. Um, So they dive a little bit deeper. So hers is like a really good intro into all of these things. Or if you're, um, she has a quiz that you can go through. So if you're just kind of base, just moderate with these reactions, then you might be absolutely fine just with this course. But She also does show that if you're more extreme, you might have to go a little bit deeper and do some extra things. But she does a really good job at explaining what goes on with the limbic system and the nervous system and this cell danger response that we get stuck in and breaks it down into a very understandable language because she knows that most people have brain fog and trouble processing information. Um, The videos are really short and she shows many useful tools that help to rewire the brain and calm that overactivated limbic system response. And she very kindly gave us a discount code. So the code Viva Natural Health, all one word, gets you 10% off, making them very affordable, especially the nervous system reboot one for the information that you get from such a knowledgeable practitioner. She's literally dedicated her life to learning and educating. So I think it's very affordable, the price that you get with the discount. So that will be linked in the show notes as well. And I won't leave you waiting any longer. Let's get into the episode again, part two with Beth O'Hara. 
Hi, Beth. Welcome back to season two of Hormones in Harmony. Hi, Vivian. It's so good to be with you. I'm really excited about this conversation today. And uh, just like our first one, I think it's going to turn some light bulbs on for a lot of people who've been stuck and struggling. And it was for me because we've just been chatting off, um, off air, just saying how that was when I first started to put the puzzle pieces together for my own health. I kind of suspected it and I'd, I'd research your website which is just packed full of information and I was like I need to get this person on the episode on the podcast just to for my own benefit but then that podcast episode ended up doing really well and I'm still constantly referring people back to it my clients who we suspect it just so they can understand themselves a little bit more because it, it might feel like they have so many different symptoms and conditions and no one's putting the puzzle pieces together. And for me, learning about histamine and mast cell activation was a huge thing. And I didn't realize how common it was. I don't know if the statistics have changed, but you said maybe between one in eight and one in 10 people are affected by this and it can manifest yeah. in so many different ways, can't it? I really think, you know, when we recorded that was right at the beginning of the pandemic, They've not redone any of the population studies, but from what we're seeing, I think the percentage oh, yeah. is Probably much higher worse, now yeah. because mm-hmm. it's such a trigger. The um, you know, that virus is such a trigger for mass cell activation. There's lots of studies now that are showing the role of mass cell activation in long haul, and uh, I think it's higher now than than what we were seeing. And it's one of the still one of the most underrecognized, underdiagnosed conditions affecting people with chronic health issues. And we did cover the basics. So again, I would urge people to go back to that episode and listen because Beth covers her health journey and more about histamine. But I do want to ask you a little bit more about why this virus caused so many issues and even the treatments included things like antihistamines from both like the holistic side and the the allopathic side. So yeah, just a little recap on what exactly is histamine if someone um, is just like wanting to listen to this episode and they don't want to go back just yet but just a little recap and then yeah if we could talk more about that whole connection with covid and viruses and other infections that would be great well histamine is one of the mediators that mast cell makes but it's the best known mast cells actually make over 200 different mediators which are the chemicals that they house inside of them and it makes them quite complex Uh, Histamine is what people think of when they take an antihistamine. So histamine can be triggering allergy type symptoms, runny nose, uh, itchy eyes, itchy ears, itchy throat, things like that. It also acts as a neurotransmitter and it has a role in digestion. It helps to trigger stomach acid release so we can break down our proteins. So it's very critical in the body. What's happened is that we tend to eat just our, our average diets are very high histamine and a number of health foods are high histamine, strawberries, pineapple, spinach, things that we think about as being um, fairly healthy, even fish sitting at the meat counter is pretty high histamine. And um, there are ways to lower histamine load. We find a lot of people with mast cell issues helps them to bring that histamine load down. But when we're looking at the role with these types of infections, like different viruses, I'm going to group all together viruses, um, things like tick-borne infections. So that can include the the bacteria like Lyme or Bartonella, the parasite like Babesia, 
And then uh, we can have things like mold colonization, where we actually have mold living inside of us. That's quite common in people dealing with mast cell activation. We don't think of it, but mold can grow in us just like it can grow on an old piece of bread or an old piece of fruit. And when that happens, it triggers the mast cells. They're part of the immune response. And the mast cells work in uh, different roles in our immune system. So they have a role in what's called the TH1 response. And that's our immediate kind of, let's kill off these viruses as pathogens. Let's bring this load down. And when the way people can relate to that is when you start to catch a cold or any kind of virus, if it's a respiratory virus, you're getting the sore throat, you're starting to get nasal congestion and we start to feel fatigued. And a, a lot of us think that it's easy to think that that virus is what's causing that, but it's not. It's actually our immune response. And the mast cells have a role in that. And they also have a role in orchestrating the immune response. So they communicate through these types of mediators called cytokines, which is now a household name. Uh, before the pandemic, people most people hadn't heard of that. But cytokines are literally just messaging signalers for the immune system and they're anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory cytokines and they signal for other cells to come in and help with this immune response then if that immune response is not enough to clean up the the infectious agents then we tip into what's called the th2 response and the TH2 response is where we get chronic inflammation. And this TH1, TH2, they act like a seesaw. We, In a healthy system, we want good, strong TH1 response and moderate to low TH2 response. So we have good pathogen killing and low uh, inflammation day to day. Then if we get tipped, that might be needed to help finish cleaning up the, uh, the uh, pathogens. And then we should tip back again. So we're back into this strong, healthy place with lower inflammation. So inflammation is a healing response. But what's happening in some things like Lyme, like mold colonization, we can talk about the difference between that and mold toxicity. Um, what's happening in things like long COVID is we can get stuck in this chronic inflammatory response because we can't clean up the underlying infectious load and I'm going to add in there toxin load and stressor load. So when we're in that situation, that's where we end up with mast cell activation syndrome, or we can, uh, a lot of people do. And then the longer we're in that response, the more likely we have the risk of autoimmunity. And there's also a role of staying stuck in that response and increased risk of cancer, which is a whole nother conversation and not my specialty, but I just wanted to put that little piece in there. And then we have a release of all kinds of mediators. So what was being talked about with these cytokine storms was a cytokine called interleukin-6, and it's a huge driver of inflammation. So we can get into these spirals and we're just, we're creating inflammation. The inflammation's not resolving. And then the more inflammation there is, the more it triggers the mast cells and other cells to make more inflammation and it snowballs. I've worked now with a lot of people with long haul and, and most of the people in our practice have had COVID at this point. So 
we've seen a lot of people go through. Now, I want to clarify, I'm a consultant. I support people with recommendations, but um, I chose not to be a licensed medical provider. So I'm not trading. Um, there's a little distinction there, but I'm mm. supporting people in their healthy yeah. immune responses and it's, so it's on. It's frustrating so. now you have to like cover your back so many times, but I, like, I think you help more people than most doctors out there honestly with this type of like chronic illness but yeah I know you have to like cover your regulations and everything um so yeah yeah I just want to yeah just want to clarify but people do recover and you know we've provided a lot of um, support and what I've noticed is um because I've seen hundreds of cases at this point what I've noticed is that the people that already had mast cell supports on board nervous system supports and they were working on their toxin load and getting it down, fared quite well. And out of several hundred clients, we only had two hospitalizations in the whole um, last three years. And I'm guessing that population would have been previous clients who already had a history of chronic illness, maybe things like known mold, or were they brand new clients? They so all of our clients have mold toxicity. They have mast cell activation. Um, the two hospitalizations, we're not sure why. You know why why those two people were hospitalized. They were different genders, different age ranges. The one thing I could tie it together is that they were both still exposed to a lot of mold, mm. and that might be a part of it. But when when this all started, I was really concerned for our population. And, and I thought we were going to have a lot of deaths. We've had mm. none um, that were related to COVID. But, and I thought we'd have a lot of hospitalizations. I was honestly terrified. I was researching 20 hours a weekend um, when things were coming out, trying to stay ahead and figure out what, how do we support ourselves? Um, but that's not how it turned out. People have had the equivalent of a mild to bad cold to a flu. And I think this is one of the, the key pieces is what is the state of our body when we get sick? And then what are we doing to support ourselves? And are we supporting those mast cells? Because the cytokine storm is where the cytokines get out of control. That inflammation level is just out of control. So there's a lot that we we can do, fortunately, and we've learned so much. I don't know that we have it all figured out at, at <laughs> by any means or even close to it but there's there's a quite a lot that people can do and it it didn't turn out as concerning in this population that's so good and would you say that with the average maybe average listener um tuning in now if they had long callers or long covid is it likely that they already had imbalances before they got the infection or was the infection the virus enough to kind of trigger it from nothing trigger this mast cell um, imbalance, TH2 dominance? Yeah, it's a great question. I only have theories because I can't run a, um, you know, a blind, <laughs> a double blind study on all of this. Um, but what we're observing, and when I talk to other people that are in the um, practitioner community that I'm in, working in similar uh, populations, we really are seeing that there is something underlying when people have long COVID. And so what, what we think is going on, and this, this is very, very likely, is long COVID is probably for the vast majority of people, not a lingering viral infection 
that the viral infection is probably managed at some point, but it's not a lingering viral infection for six months to a year. It's really an issue with what's called cell danger response. So this is quite complex, but I'll simplify it the best I can. Um, Cell danger response was a game-changing model that was published, I believe, in 2015, 2016 timeframe by Robert Navio. And this changes the face of how we understand what's going on in chronic health conditions. In cell danger response, this is actually a healing process for our bodies. And what tips it off is when we have an overwhelming amount of any combination of pathogens, of uh, toxins, so pathogens, viruses, bacteria, um, parasites could be, I don't see those as often um, as being the tip off point, but could be in other populations, um, uh, fungal, fungal infections, and then toxins. So toxins, chemical toxins, metals, uh, can be mold toxins, and then stressors. So stressors can be chronic stress from working. So many people have worked 60 to 70 hours a week before they crash and get sick, um, or they're running for kids to all kinds of extracurricular activities, and then a family member dies. Um, there's all kinds of things that can tip it off and can be traumas, can be physical traumas, can be emotional traumas. There's a threshold that we could stay a- ahead of these things, but at some point we cross the threshold and then we crash. And that crash usually gets blamed on whatever was the straw that broke the camel's back, whether it was COVID or it was um, a-, a vaccine or something like that. But it's usually not that one event. It's almost always a pile of events. And then there was just that one last piece that tipped us over. Then we have all these biochemical changes that happen. And I won't get into a lot of them, but just the some of the basics to know about is histamine production goes up as a protective mechanism to create more inflammation. The, and then that turns up mast cell activation. Our methylation goes down. Our vitamin D production goes down, which is actually protective. So it's helpful for people to know that because people keep jumping into trying to kickstart their methylation and then it backfires on them or they don't yeah, get what any- would be a, what, what would be your approach with that instead of doing all of the anti-inflammatories and high dose vitamin D and methylation support? Like how would you navigate that? Is it just a matter of like remove the problem first before adding in the things to kind of get those processes moving? Yes. That's a, I love this question. And I think it's going to define the, our whole podcast here. Um, let me finish the definition of cell danger response, and then we'll move into that. So these changes are happening and the fatigue is a big one. And the fatigue is really about energy reserves need to go into healing and, and recovery. And there's a lot that happens with recovery with toxicity and stressors. And we tend to really underestimate the role of stressors in our health, but they're huge. And then to come out of it. So one, we have to not work against the natural healing processes. And this is where I 
I developed a method that's really based on this research that works time and time again. It's been incredibly effective. Um, most approaches, the gold standard is if you can help 80% of people who try it, that's considered about the best you can get. And then our practice is made up of the 20% of people that fall through the cracks on that. And for people who stick with the program that I'm going to describe uh, at a high level, um, for people who do that approach, and it's a lot of work, so a lot of people do give up, and that's the key is to not give up. Um, but people who stick it through, we have a 98% success rate, wow. which is really incredible. And uh, But it's not a quick fix. I mean, we're talking two to three years on average for people. So what this looks like is one, so I have this laid out in a method I call the MC360 method. And the first stage of that method is called stabilization. And we have to recreate, was, we think about that this model was named cell danger response for a reason. There's literally a response to danger at the cellular, at the biochemical level. So we have to reprogram that we're now in safety. Okay, how do we do that? Well, one, we have to remove the external triggers because if you're, you know, if you're getting exposed to toxins every day, your body's not going to believe you're safe. So we work on environmental mold toxins. We work on making sure we have um, good quality water, good quality foods that are toxin-free. Uh, air quality is, is good. We're working on stressors and we're working on not going into trauma because that's not the right phase for it. And the reason is that we go into trauma and we start telling the story of the trauma. Our nervous system doesn't know the difference between we're telling the story and it's happening again. So it's re-traumatizing. So when we're chronically ill, that's not the time to go unearth the traumas. What it is the time for is to soothe it to just soothe, a lot of soothing. And we do a good bit of limbic and vagal rebooting. Um, we look at structural issues at the top of the neck that can affect the vagal nerve or the other cranial nerves. And just major imbalances through my chiropractor. And yeah. the first time I had my neck adjusted, I, for the rest of the day, had zero energy. It was like my mm -hmm. brain had started detoxing for the first time in years. And I just crashed. But then my my chiropractor is pretty holistic and like told me it's probably some sort of detox response. The second time it was the same, but a little bit better. Third time, just minor. And then since then, it's been like the one thing that makes a huge difference to my symptoms. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores? Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess but King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, 
I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Yeah, so we have this whole system. So this is new research as well. The glymphatic system, mm. which is the fluid drainage from the brain. And I had similar issues from um, instability in my upper neck. I was kicked in the head by a horse when I was nine. So this has been going on a long time. And then I had multiple car accidents. And then on top of that, I have a blister in my brainstem called a panis. So it inhibits the drainage. And when we did an MRI, my uh, ventricles, which hold the fluid in the middle of the brain, were compressed 50% because of all the fluid buildup on my brain. And uh, that's another thing that just head injuries, I mean, these things can really play a role in this cell danger response and mast cell activation. So it all can trigger those mast cells to have those toxins built up in the brain. So we, we stabilize all this and we stabilize the mast cells. So we're just calming everything down a few notches. And then once we can get things down a few notches, we can work on supporting sleep some, supporting the adrenals. Um, sometimes people need some sex hormone or thyroid support at that stage. So we start to weave in some of those basic things. Although we find we can't fix it if fully, so people's hormones will be fully in balance until you get out the toxin load mm. and the pathogen load. Yeah, but they need to be at least like stable somewhat before because it's kind of a two-way street. Like you're not going to be able to detox fully if your hormones are really messed up. You've got super low cortisol. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like get the hormones a bit more stable and then do the proper work for any lingering problems once the right. detox has been done. Exactly. And But we're realistic. We know that it's not going to be like a one-stop and done. It's going to be tinkering and then it's going to go a little over here and then we got to bring it a little Keep bit going back, back to hormone support like yeah so you have to track so it's also a lot of tracking that's part of why it's a bit of work but um but it does work for people and, and i just had a question about the the brain rewiring stuff so making sure that the nervous system feels calm and safe and i know there's other programs out there um on brain rewiring and they say 
you don't have to have like an optimal environment in order to heal. And there's people out there who are living in mold, but they just do some sort of brain rewiring program and they are seemingly doing better. They are they're out of the chronic fatigue. They're less sensitive because of the work that they've done on the brain. So I'm just thinking if someone is, isn't able to remediate or move right away, or maybe they have this life stress going on that they just can't get out of right now, can they move from that that first stage into some of this other work or is it really not going to make a huge difference if people are still exposed to mold is absolutely critical that they work on these steps and they move into the next step that i'm going to talk about um, because they can heal um to some degree even if their environment isn't 100 perfect so i find well when the people that come to my clinic have already failed a lot of protocols so I'm biased in terms of that's who I'm working with. Um, I'm sure there are people out there that get good recovery just with brain retraining. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people that I get that alone won't work, but it's a big part of what we do. We have to bring it in. And and I just always want to create realistic expectations for people because a lot of people have done a brain retraining program and they didn't feel better and then they felt like they were a failure or they didn't do it they right. They thought that was like the last option and then that's not even worked. So they're like, right, there's no other, nothing else to look forward to. Right. So in, in the population we work with, we have to bring a number of things on board simultaneously. We have to work the limbic system, the insula that's in inside the brain. That's the brain retraining along with the vagal nerve, along with the mast cells simultaneously and trying to reduce our toxin load. So even if somebody's still exposed to mold, we work on, um, and in the past three years, trying to move has been insane. Even trying to get contractors lined up has been rough. So I, I get that. Um, but we try to improve the air quality, but the goal is to get into a safer environment. So I find that people can, um, some many people can make some improvements, or some people, the best that we can do, depending on the extent of the mold and how ill they are, sometimes the best we can do is not go backwards. Um, I've worked with some really sick people who are incredibly sensitive, and while they're exposed to mold, the best we could do was slow down going how much they were going backwards. Mm. So our that's why our goal is to get out, because these mold toxins are incredibly carcinogenic. And once the mold colonizes inside of us, um, Lyme is bad enough. Lyme, Bartonella are bad enough to have, but bacteria and viruses weaken us, but they don't try to kill us. That's the... Well, it's like poisoning us, isn't it? But that's their strategy is to weaken us, but they have to keep us alive to replicate. Molds don't care about keeping us alive. When molds colonize in us, they produce certain enzymes like hydrolysis, proteases that literally decompose our tissue from the inside out. And that's what makes them incredibly damaging. And that's why we start with mold detox when people get some improvement. And this is also why when people keep failing detox protocols, there's still a way through because we back up, we do the stabilization steps. And then we go into a really gentle detox. So we never push heavy. We never push into herxing um, because if we're pushing detox and then feeling sick, and a lot of people are told to keep going in, in my population, that's a recipe for disaster. 
people who are like college athletes or they're, you know, they're already really strong constitution that may be fine for them. But for the people I'm working with, that could set them, that could make them bed red. And I've seen this for six months to a year. So we don't do that because it's damaging the tissues. It's increasing mass cell activation astronomically when we're pushing through like that. And the toxins, when we hit that point where we're herxing or we're having these detox reactions, it means the toxins have built up in our bloodstream faster than we can excrete them. So all these tissues are exposed. And after reading the piles of study on the carcinogen effects of mycotoxins, that makes me really nervous. <laughs> so I don't want that. And avoid that at all costs. Right. So then what we do is we start a very gentle mold detox and everything's about bringing things in the right order and choosing the right things for this person. So uh, we have three categories of sensitivity levels we work with, a very sensitive or super sensitive, a sensitive, and then what I call the not sensitive or easy. They can start with a whole capsule of something. So we have different categories of how they, people move through based on that. And then it depends on, do they have um, salicylate intolerance, which is in a lot of herbs and the reason why people have trouble with a lot of herbs. So then we have protocols for that versus not. And then even within all that, it gets customized based on people's test results. Yeah. And, and even since we last spoke, I know you uh, were working on the specific binder versus yes. which mycotoxin, moltoxin is best. Like what did you learn? What are the biggest takeaways from that research? Oh gosh, we're on like, phase six of it now well, <laughs> and yeah, I think um, you were just starting it um would that be back in 2020 I think you were yeah. just mentioning it yeah yeah well it's come a long way and the biggest thing that we've learned is there is no single binder that binds all the mold toxins and um that the best approach is to use a combination of the binders that are best targeted at each mycotoxin because the mycotoxin structures are very complex and the binders, it's not the best word for it, for what they're doing. Cause they're not actually binding. It's not like I think of the old uh, Acme, you know, the cartoons with the Acme uh, big magnet, it sucks everything up to it. It's not like that. It's more like a sock against a sweater and you pull the sweater out of the dryer well, if you shake that sweater, the sock may fall off. So these, this charcoal or chlorella or whatever you're taking might fall off. So you want to have as many other agents there as possible to help um, usher, you know, protect, package up and usher this out. Because um, otherwise, if all you're, if you're, all you're taking is charcoal, one, it's not going to bind everything. It won't bind gliotoxin, for example, very well. And then, um, if that's all you have for something like okra toxin, that charcoal just fall right off sometimes and you'll reabsorb that okra toxin. It's kind of similar to like herbal protocols, you know, when someone's doing an anti-candida protocol, they, they always say using a combination of antifungals is better. Uh, that's more for the resistance problem, isn't it? Like the, the bugs will just get used to you using the same product. So it's good to switch it up. But even in the herbal medicine world, they always say plants work better in this synergy. Um, so for different reasons, but it's, it's good to use a blend. Um, it's good to use a blend. Yeah, and it's tolerated. I find, I find that individual products tend to work better, even though it means we're taking more things. 
we can increase the dose of one thing or decrease something based on retesting the mycotoxin levels and their excretion rates. And so that gives us a lot more control. Whereas if we're doing a combo product, then the um, we don't have any idea how much, for example, like zeolite is in there. So is it is it 300 milligrams? Is it three milligrams? Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting the best success using individual binders. Yep. And I have a whole course we can mention for people at the end where they can get a lot more info about all this stuff. But um, that's been huge to have that. I've gotten much better success rates and people moving through faster when we're targeting. And I just did a huge review of it um, a couple months ago. So now we have, that's where we got, now we're in the stage six of it and uh, updated it based on new uh, information that came out. And can we find that that download on your website? We do have um, a binder blog post people can go to. And then if they really want to get into the nitty gritties of how to step themselves through a detox from the beginning, then then that's where the course comes in. Perfect. And it's the course and what we've been discussing. So the stabilization, then support for hormones and gut. And that's like a DIY course, because I know at one point your one to one wait list was just like months and months um, long. So is this being made out of like need to support more people, but not having the time? Well, there's a lot that's been happening. Um, We have three courses now. So we have the Muscle Nervous System Reboot, and that's the deep dive on the nervous system resetting for people who need to do brain retraining, but that alone is not going to do it for them. So they need to combine some things. And people do an assessment and they create their own roadmap on how to, uh, what they need based on where they are. So there is customization in the courses. Um, there's a supplements course on mast cell supporting supplements. And then uh, we have a mold course called the MC360 Precision Mold Detox. It gets into the nervous system at a um, high level. And then I refer to the other course for more details for people who want it. Um, it gets into a little bit of the mast cell support and the mast cell course. The nervous system and mast cell courses are low cost. So that's easy for people to jump in and do. And then um, I don't have all about the gut and the hormones. Those need to be separate courses because this course already, <laughs> I have two levels. There's the basic level for people who just, this is all brand new for them. And then I have the advanced level for people who like like to listen to podcasts like this. They, they've got a good foundation of health knowledge and they're ready to jump in. And uh, also for um, practitioner. So it can be for like more advanced people yeah. like your listeners, uh, lay people or, or practitioners. And in those courses, it's also customized. People work through based on their needs. There's a whole workbook to work through uh, and lots of videos, but the basic course is over five hours and the advanced course is over 10 hours. So I just couldn't pack anything more in there without <laughs> it getting to be, you know, just too much for one thing. But, um, but just coming back here, to this detox. So we, we start generally with some binders and people have to resolve any constipation. I do talk about that in the courses as well. And there's lots of tips on what to do beyond just magnesium. Um, because constipation is one of the biggest things that are roadblock. And I tell everyone, don't move forward on detox until the constipation's resolved. 
And if you, um, I, I love this from Jill Christos, a dear friend and a mentor of mine, because everybody remembers it. She says, no poop, no binders. <laughs> so, so because be the, the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> because the, um, if, if you're constipated, those binders are going to fall off and you're going to reabsorb all those toxins and you're just putting yourself literally in a toxic soup. Mm-hmm. So, so then we, we do some binders, we do some liver, kidney, lymph supports to help improve the excretion. And then this order is quite important. Then if it seems like people have colonization, and this is again, where the mold is growing within us, candida also, a lot of people don't know candida can produce gliotoxin. So we see gliotoxin elevated on a urine mycotoxin test. And real time is the most um, sensitive for gliotoxin. Then uh, we can be dealing with candida, um, not necessarily only candida, but it can be candida. And then, if there's colonization, we go into uh, gentle antimicrobials. And for most people, that is, they end up wanting a combination of some herbals and some prescriptions. And there's a, quite a synergy between those. But people have to go slowly in our practice. They don't jump into a whole capsule usually of anything. If they're going to do some antimicrobials, we typically start with silver, um, a nanoparticle, not a colloidal silver, but a nanoparticle silver, and uh, just a drop of it and build people really slowly in this way. So this is where people who have even sensitive, they failed detox protocols they can get a, a lot of movement forward and we can bring in something for biofilm. Mm-hmm. So to break down that biofilm surrounding the organisms. And what I want people to hear, cause this is the number one thing that keeps people not getting through a mold protocol or they're stuck on a mold protocol and they just can't get rid of that mold is that they don't move forward to that antifungal phase. If there's colonization but about 70% adults who have mold toxicity are colonized. Now, fortunately for children, it's only about 30% because their immune systems are stronger. They've not had as much toxin load. They've usually had fewer hits through their life than an adult. Um, so they don't tend to have as much, but adults tend to have a good bit. And how would we know if we've reached that point? Is it just that we're not improving and we've hit a roadblock, then we just suspect it? Or are there any different signs Um, of just regular toxicity versus colonization? So sometimes you can catch it on a Great Plains organic acid test and they have some markers for fungal growth. Five of the markers are for, they have four for aspergillus, one for fusarium. Then they have some markers for candida. Nine markers for fungal growth is fairly limited given the complexity of molds that can grow in us and the different types but Fusarium and Aspergillus tend to be a little more common. However, if those aren't elevated, if those look normal, it doesn't mean that there's no mold colonized. And but if they are elevated, then it's a pretty good sign. Yeah, we don't get false positives, mm-hmm. but we could have not have it show up in those metabolites. And really to do a great job of colonization, we need about 200 urine metabolites, but that test just doesn't exist yet. So that's the best one we have 
on the the fungal colonization. And if you do, you have to use, I know you said you use prescriptions. Is that usually in prescription antifungal as opposed to um, antibiotics and when you have these um, overgrowths in the gut? Right. Prescription antifungal. So again, as a consultant, I usually work with the healthcare team and uh, with the prescriber. Um, I'm not prescribing myself, but I um, give a lot of guidance and and recommendations along the way. Do you think it can be done with the herbal stuff or is it just not as effective? I'm just thinking of people who can't get access, the doctor's not willing to prescribe, especially in the UK on the on the National Health Service, we don't have naturopathic doctors yeah. who are more open minded. The UK, it's definitely more challenging. And I've worked with um, when I still was able to work internationally, I worked with a lot of people in the UK. It can be harder. Um, there are some functional medicine doctors who are popping up in the UK in Germany and a few areas that have a lot more understanding of it and getting it covered under the National Healthcare Service, that's a whole other thing. Um, very, very unlikely, but yeah, maybe worth trying to um, seek a functional medicine practitioner. And there are some other options. So uh, some people in the UK have been able to get prescriptions sent from um, Canada. And there's some other avenues that, that can work. So fortunately, we have a, a network of prescribers who tend to be able to help our clients. And it's not been a a challenge within our practice, but it is a big challenge um, generally for people, Mm -hmm. for sure. And if we don't address that colonization, what's going to happen is that mold growing in us, even if we're in a pristine environment, let's say we move to a clean room in Arizona and there's no mold growth. If we have mold growing inside of us, that mold inside of us or candida overgrowth, it's going to continue to produce these mycotoxins and continue to keep us ill. And that's why we want to get rid of it, both because of that and the tissue breakdown that's happening. So these mycotoxins have to go. It's one of the biggest things we can do for long-term health, for longevity, for quality of life is to get these out. And then there was another question that you had asked. Let me see if I can... I had it for just a second. I think I was asking about uh, oh, um, herbals. Can people yeah. get better just with the herbals? I have seen it in a handful of cases. Um, not a lot of cases, but again, that's the people that are coming into my clinic. So they're complicated. They're struggling. They're usually been sick for uh, a decade or more. And they usually have seen at least 10 Mm. practitioners before we start working. So this may be different for people outside of that group. And I just don't know because I don't see them, but I cover a lot of the, uh, I cover the, a lot of the herbal options in that basic course. And then the advanced course is everything in the basic. And then I go into the next level. So I cover prescription options and information about that really in depth in that advanced course. You know, the, the prescriptions usually things like um, fluconazole, diflucan, um, that type of antifungal. Are there any like better than others, in your opinion, just an experience? Well, the most common and better depends on the situation. So the most commonly used Rx in uh, the practitioner circles I work in are nystatin, which will work for candida. Fluconazole, which is a, a brand name here, is Diflucan. Sporanox is a brand, a, 
genericus itraconazole, and amphotericin B. Now, can uh, nystatin and amphotericin B are not absorbed, so they only work in the gut, or they can be used nasally and they'll only work locally, whereas itraconazole and fluconazole are more systemic. And then there are a lot of caveats in terms of how to onboard them and what makes them more successful. So one that I'll share for people that's not well known, um, and then if people love this, they can get more details, but fluconazole, the, the brand name being Diflucan, fluconazole is often given multiple days in a row. There was a really good study that came out, I believe it was 2017, and looked at daily dosing of Diflucan and what happens in the life cycle of candida. And they found in that daily dosing that the candida was actually stressed into a very aggressive form of sexual reproduction, and it worsened the candida situation long-term. So what's been used quite a bit in the past few years is a pulsed approach and using that diflucan only once a week or once every two weeks as being more effective. So the, these are the kinds of like tidbits mm. where people want to make sure that they have all the info. Um, this is a hard one to completely DIY, but I, I think I've done as good a job as possible to give people what they can use. And even if it doesn't get them all the way, it would get them a lot of the way. And some people, they don't need those prescription antifungals. They could probably get all the way on their own. Um, it's that last piece that they might need a provider for. I heard the pulse thing as well. I went to a seminar. This must have been 2019 and because it was a um, the Great Plains Lab. They came to London and they collaborated with a company called Biolab here and did a seminar. So I went along and the that was kind of my first light bulb that mold was a factor for me because it was a seminar on um, the organic acid test how to interpret it. and then the second day um, the seminar was called mold and mast cells so I, I knew that I had a mast cell issue because of my histamine symptoms and then I was like oh mold like I've never heard that being a factor so that and when I was there as well I got a mold test the urine GPL mycotox so I did that and it was positive but um, the guys there the I think that the owners of um, Great Plains Lab they were saying for the fungal overgrowths, they were doing that pulsed um, technique as well with the antifungals. So yeah, that's probably like a tried and tested thing now that people could speak to the practitioner about and try and do um, if they can get access to the pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and I've got all the citations in the course. So if people need to go find those, they can print those off for providers. Sure. Sometimes that helps too to bring the study in for somebody. Yeah, definitely. and. One thing I want to make sure that we cover before we finish up, because um, I'm just aware of time, I want to touch on the impacts of hypoxia, even things like um, breathing techniques, your dental health, and how that could be a factor for muscle activation and histamine problems. Um, I just found it so interesting. I think we only touched on it briefly last time, but I would love to know what you've learned again over the past few years. This is such a huge topic and one that I think would just scratch the surface on. So we think <laughs> Maybe about we need another whole episode on this subject. Right. So um with hypoxia it's really about oxygen delivery to the cells. So if we start with the most basic 
form of that trouble with that could start with our airway and it can start with, I'll use myself as an example. So part of all the stuff I've dealt with, the head injury affecting my neck position, the extent of the severe uh, GI colonization I had with with mold and also SIBO, my tongue has been quite swollen most of my life and doesn't quite fit all the way in my mouth. I think about uh, little Yorkies you see in their tongues stick out. <laughs> and so, and then I have a very narrow, I did have before the orthodontics, that's what this is for, a uh, narrow dental arch. So we have a narrow dental arch the tongue, I know you know, Vivian, for people who don't know this, our tongues attach down here at the base of our throat. So they're a bit long. And the tongue has reflexes that should cause it to dome up and lift up onto the teeth. And then this is where the top of the tongue should rest at the base of the um, front teeth, the top front teeth. Mine could never do that. I would just, I'd have to tense and then it just and slide down. I'm like very aware of my tongue position in my mouth right now <laughs> and my posture. I'm like, no breathing. breathing. Yeah. Um, so I had x-rays and my airway was 70% blocked. I just couldn't get enough oxygen in. And I felt tense all the time. I had all this tension in my neck and my shoulders, which can be a sign. So we try to tense to open that up more and it affects sleep. I was, I was, my sleep was atrocious. And so a lot of working with that has been expanding my palate with the, with functional orthodontics, not cosmetic orthodontics. I actually had that when I was a child, it did nothing for my airway. Um, but the functional orthodontics have been opening all this up. Now, this is not a place for people to start if they're really sick mm. because it's painful and it's a lot to do, but it's a game changer. And I had to do it at some point. And then I have an appliance over at night that lifts my tongue up and out and opens everything up. And I think I can tell the difference with your your face shape even. Is that just me like imagining no. it or is it? Yeah, like it's your, your jaw. Because I have yeah. a, a really narrow jaw and I've had teeth removed and I had braces, just the cosmetic ones because my teeth were so crowded. But yeah, I can definitely tell like you have the 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 shape that our jaw should be, which is like wider That's and right. more defined, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. My jaws come way forward. When you see pictures of me before the braces, it was really retracted. And so there's been a lot of that too. And, and all with training the muscles. So it's been a very functional approach with that. And it's really helped. The other forms of hypoxia can be things like we're talking about with trouble with the drainage. So if the upper neck is off, we're not getting drainage, which also means we're not getting good flow back into the brain. So we're not getting oxygen into the brain very well. And it can be issues with things like iron regulation. So iron's needed to make hemoglobin and, and actually to make heme. And heme is based for a lot of things. But for what we're talking about, heme is needed to make all of the um, myoglobin, cytoglobin, hemoglobin that delivers oxygen. Well, guess what? One of the biggest things that dysregulates iron, mold toxicity. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of iron dysregulation. People either going... Yeah, some people go too high, um, more common with men and, and menopausal women, women are not menstruating. And then uh, women who are menstruating have a tendency, but not always, they can actually end up with iron deficiency. In I, I think I had both. Uh, initially, it was low. Yeah. And then later on in my health journey, it was always on the high end of normal, especially ferritin that was creeping up too high, which I just knew was a sign of inflammation. 
Exactly. And I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people are being addressed, their iron's being addressed based on the ferritin level, but ferritin can be low or high with inflammation as well, not just iron status. So we have to look at hemoglobin and the other red blood cell status to tell that. So that's just a few ways that hypoxia can show up. And then just being stressed and tense, we can have a shallow breathing. And just some of the breath exercises where we relax. There's a method I teach called uh, resonant breathing in the in the nervous system course to help us slow down and and just relax. And I'm contemplating a more advanced nervous system course with more techniques. So that may be coming. Um, and I wanted to circle back to one other thing you asked because you mentioned our waiting list before. And we've been expanding our clinic. So we have some uh, wonderful practitioners on board that we're all collaborating on cases with. And we are getting people in a little faster. There's still a wait. Was um, it just all you before? So last time in 2020, yeah. was it just yourself? It was just right. me. Um, <laughs> now we have a wonderful emotional support coach and she does safe and sound. We have an incredible health coach helping with implementation, the food coaching steps. We just had an MD consultant join us. And uh, I'm going to be looking for our next person soon. So we're we're growing here. That's so good. Yeah. And I think you're just continuing to help more people. And the past few years with long callers and COVID and there's going to be more viruses and pandemics in the future. So we want to, if you're not in like extreme critical situation right now, please use this time to optimize yourself and try and make yourself more invincible, harder to kill, stronger immune system. That's always the goal. Um, my top three for people, if, if, if they're not really ill, but they're, they're not wanting to go there because we're all trending in that direction with the toxicity of the world that we live in. And it's a real problem is do something for your nervous system to rest every day, to reset it because we only heal in the parasympathetic state and we're all in fight or flight all the time. And so something every day to just reset, even if it's like a listening meditation, 20 minutes a day, mast cell supports for the immune system, even if you don't have mast cell activation, um, huge difference for people when they do get exposed to something or they catch a virus and then bump those things when you're sick so that you, you stay ahead of it. And then do some kind of detox on a regular basis because we all have to keep moving these chemicals out. Even when I'm done with my mold detox, I'm still going to have a basic detox protocol in place. Yeah, it's not like we're healthy and that's the end goal. It's an ongoing progress. It is in the world we live in now. Unfortunately. Well, I think those summarized everything perfectly to kind of finish off such an amazing episode. Again, these are just some of my favorite episodes um, and I can't wait to release this one for everyone. And I'm sure I would have you on again. I'm sure there's going to be other things that you're learning and researching and wanting to share. So yeah, if you're up for it, I would love to do a part three at some point, maybe later in the year. Um, So yeah, thank you again for your time. And I know you're a really busy practitioner helping so many people out there. So yeah, thank you for coming on and just generously sharing all of this wisdom and knowledge that you have. Um, and yeah, where can people find you? Just recap your website. Everything will be linked. But um, yeah, if they want to check out you um, and your courses and blog posts, which are amazing, um, where can they find you? So they can find me at um, masscell360.com, M-A-S-T as in Tom, C-E-L-L-360. 
and lots of resources there for people, lots of free resources, plus our courses. And then we have a wonderful community on Facebook. I'd love for people to join us. I do free Facebook lives most Mondays on different topics with a Q&A. And it's usually like the same regulars that come together and people really support each other. So I love that about this group. Um, so we'd love to have people join us there. And thank you so much for doing this. It's um, wonderful that we can partner and just continue to help people grow and learn and, and help themselves. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one -on -one consultation packages if you want my top level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. If you're ready to change and get some answers but aren't sure which option would be best, take that first step today and apply for a free enrollment call on my website and we'll discuss the best steps for you to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.